Hello and welcome back to Cast Me to Hell with me, Robbie. Today I'm going on a little solo voyage as I discuss some of my favourite foreign horror recommendations. That was almost uh, almost our first tongue twist of the session. So Seb isn't here today as he is on daddy duties. Yes, the unthinkable has happened and not only has he had sex, <laughs> which I didn't think would ever happen if you knew him, but he has procreated and he has a beautiful daughter. So I just want to say a massive congratulations to Seb and Charlotte. Baby is born happy and healthy. Mother and daughter are both well. And as Seb said in his previous episode, we're going to do some solo episodes when we can't really sync up. Sometimes my kind of diary gets busy, and obviously now Seb is a baby daddy, it's got to be kind of hard for him to always be there. So we're going to do some occasional solo episodes. I just wanted to update as we kind of get towards the end of the year. So Cast Me to Hell has now hit over 4,000 plays, which we are really proud of, and we thank everybody for checking us out. Anybody who has subscribed to the podcast and left us a review, and this is my kind of obligatory time where at the start of the episode I remind you to hit that subscribe button and leave us a lovely review. So I thought I'd talk a little bit about foreign horror films, as these are something over the past couple of years that I've actually really got into and really warmed to. I don't know why, but for most of my adult life and most of my life when I was young, I really struggled with subtitles and dubs. It was something that just re I just I don't know, I don't know what it is, but I always struggled with it, which is ironic because now I only ever watch stuff with subtitles on. But my love for foreign horror films really started when my brother Dan went travelling and he came back and taught me about a film which we are going to talk about. Like I said, I'd always struggled with subtitles and dubs and my brother told me to watch this one particular film which he said was absolutely amazing and I'd had it on Blu-ray for years but for some reason I didn't check it out and that film is Train to Busan from 2016 and that's our first foreign horror recommendation that we're going to talk about. So Train to Busan was directed by Yon Sang Hu. I'm sure I've probably butchered that name. Um, Yon, if you're listening, please tell me. I do try and research for this episode, but I always seem to just have problems with pronunciations. I don't know what it is. Uh, but the film follows a workaholic dad slash divorcee who goes with his daughter on a high-speed train from Seoul to Busan in the midst of a viral zombie outbreak. Uh, an infected woman enters onto the train, which then spreads, and we follow a whole host of characters as the train reaches its ultimate destination. Now, for me, uh, any zombie film can be broken into two parts. You've got scary zombies and set pieces, and you get the human stories kind of that run parallel alongside that. And in Train to Busan, it's packed with incredible human stories full of love and hope. Not only do we have the main characters, but we also have teenage romance, which if you've listened to our In Memoriam characters we didn't want to die from a long time ago, uh, you can hear me discuss in detail, cheap plug, go and check it out, as well as elderly sisters, a pregnant woman and an expectant father, and as with all great zombie films, we have a truly despicable antagonist who is an absolute bore bag to be honest. There's also some great action set pieces, uh, such as when they arrive at the station thinking that it's safe, and then they're chased by zombies, which causes them to split up on the train. And then we kind of get our three central male characters, 
as they have to try and fight their way back to the rest of the party and reunite with their loved ones. I always feel that the best zombie movies end on kind of a bittersweet note, and Train to Busan's no exception to that rule. I always find films such as I Am Legend or World War Z to always be a bit too Hollywood in the ways in which they wrap the story up. Will Smith or Brad Pitt or somebody kind of equally handsome just finds a vaccine and then they go and save the day and everybody's okay and everything's safe and we get to go home. So I always find that I prefer the more human feeling endings to stories such as Dawn of the Dead, Train to Busan, and even to an extent Shaun of the Dead, where we find characters safe from the immediate danger and surviving for the running time of the film. However, the ultimate ending is ambiguous and we often leave them in the middle of this new world, unsure of what really happens to them and humanity in general. And I just want to preface by saying that I don't want to spoil the whole plots of this film because I imagine the films that I'm discussing, a lot of people have seen. Train to Busan was a massive success, so I imagine a lot of people have seen it, but there might be people who are looking for foreign horror recommendations and haven't seen Train to Busan, so I'd rather kind of not get into the nitty-gritty of it. So the second film I want to talk about comes from a classic Italian director and comes from a subgenre of horror that I discovered a few years ago and have loved since, which is Giallo. So, Giallo, for those who may not be aware of the subgenre, as I wasn't for kind of a large chunk of my life, is a subgenre of horror that started as a form of kind of crime mystery novels, the name Giallo itself meaning yellow in Italian, and coming from a 1929 book of crime mystery stories called Il Giallo Mandadori, which I had to kind of avoid saying in an Italian accent to not upset our friends in Italy. And naturally, as films started to become more popular and these books started to get adapted in Italy, they formed their very own subgenre around horror thrillers and a lot of kind of whodunit killer films, which would actually go on to inspire the American golden age of slashers. As we kind of get stuff like Spaghetti Westerns, the English-speaking world started to call these films Spaghetti Slashers because of the characteristics of Giallo. Oftentimes they're dubbed, sometimes pretty badly, I will warn you. Often filmed in a more European style, so pretty sleazy, um, a bit more like kind of softcore porn in some aspects, and featuring much more funky soundtracks than their American counterparts. As well as elements of voyeurism, coupled with gruesome deaths and killer points of views, which leads me on to our second film, and that is Tenebrae 1982, directed by Dario Argento. I'm sure doing a foreign horror recommendations and having an Italian film director on here is probably always going to be Argento, but Tenebrae is actually something that I gravitate towards a lot more. I always find that Argento's more giallo stuff is a bit more interesting than his supernatural stuff such as Suspiria. So Tenebrae follows an author who has released a new murder mystery book and is on a promotional tour in Rome where he encounters a crazed fan that starts a killing spree inspired by the book he's just released. So as I previously said, Dario Argento made a shift into making more supernatural horror films such as the critically acclaimed and maybe his biggest film, Suspiria and Inferno, 
However, Argento had become quite criticised for how he handled violence towards women in his films, but there were another two incidents which actually inspired Tenebrae. The first being a series of terrorising calls from a crazed fan towards the director and blaming him for the psychological damage that the films had on him. A lot of like when I ring Seb telling him about the psychological damage this podcast has had on me. And his personal experience of when he went to LA and saw the senseless violence that was in the city. The reasons I love Tenebrae are because it's so beautifully shot. The soundtrack made by Claudio Simonetti in Goblin is absolutely incredible. Strangely enough, I'm a massive soundtrack nerd, and the Tenebrae theme was actually my most listened to song, according to Spotify Wrapped. So, hold tight Claudio Simonetti for that. And the film has such incredible gore, suspense, and themes throughout that it's hard to not be sucked into Tenebrae. Tenebrae did actually become a video nasty in the UK, so I won't really discuss the plot points or any spoilers because myself and Seb will look into the film in detail one day, but I thought I'd touch on some of the themes prevalent throughout the films kind of lightly. One of the themes that is picked up on most is the idea of dualism. The idea that two fundamental but contrasting beliefs or ideals exist at the same time. And also, dark doubles. Mirror images of ourselves within other people. Without giving away one of the key twists, the idea of dark doubles can be seen in Tenebrae quite a lot through the manner in which the murders actually take place. Some of them are clinical and clean, whilst others are more messy and almost seem as if they're kind of crimes of personal reasoning. And, as with quite a lot of giallos, sex is also a massive theme throughout Tenebrae. Argento became heavily criticised for his films featuring beautiful women being murdered in kind of erotic ways, which is when I say they kind of have like this softcore porn feeling to them. <laughs> I mean, not that I would ever whack off to a horror film, but I think if I did, Giallo is probably the easiest uh, subgenre to whack off to. <laughs> And because a lot of this criticism towards Argento and the subgenre itself, Tenebrae does look at sex, gender and power as a central theme. The featured novel which inspires the killings is actually about sexual perversion and the effects that this has had on a modern society. And as such, the killer seems to be inspired by this. You know, when these killing people, it's people that they deem as sexual deviants. Most of the time it's sexually liberated women. But there's also exploration of fetishism, male sexual humiliation, and sexual repression. And another important thing about Tenebrae, and why I recommend it to people often, is that it actually helped me break down one of my main barriers with foreign horror films. And that's the dubbing. Um, I always struggled with dubbing, and it's, it's often something that I've heard that people do struggle with. I think it comes from this old kind of stereotype of you know old kung fu movies where a character speaking loads and the dub line of dialogue wouldn't sync up and it's one of those things where if you watch a really fucking badly dubbed film you are it takes you out of it you know which is something that you always struggle with if you're watching a film you want to be able to kind of invest in it or at least enjoy it and when the dubbing doesn't line up it always feels weird but it wasn't until i actually looked into it that it clicked Often in Euro horror, the sound was recorded in post-production, and with that, the actors who were in the film would often dub over their own lines, and other times, if it was less known actors or actresses, then others may actually be brought in to dub for them. And whilst a lot of this was being done, they would notice that there might be inconsistencies in the plots, so lines were often written on the spot, and new dialogue was recorded over the footage that was actually there. And once I understood this... 
things started to click a bit more and I found dubbing to actually be a bit less off-putting and I kind of enjoyed it a bit more really. So before I talk about our final film I want to thank everyone for sticking with me as I go on this kind of solo adventure. I'm not sure how you did 45 minutes Seb. I originally had five films that I wanted to recommend and then after listening to your solo episode I realised that I probably had to cut it down because you did three films and I was thinking I'm going to go way overboard but I don't even think this is going to hit 20 minutes. So thank you for sticking around. Got to pay tribute to Epo himself and whilst I am, yes, as he said last week, the sexiness is back. I'm sure we all miss Epo. I'm sure we miss the strange tangents he often guides me on and the weird places we go. This is also the part of the show where I remind you to hit the subscribe button on whichever podcasting app you're listening on, as well as leaving us a review, or even firing us over an email on cmthpodcast at hotmail.com, all one word, to let us know your thoughts on the films that I've kind of discussed today. I've spoken about two absolute masterpieces of foreign horror filmmaking that play with intricate themes and have beautifully written out characters that you can invest in and truly root for. So I thought it's only fitting that my final recommendation doesn't really feature any of these. And instead, I would talk about a little Italian film that's full of badass moments and enough gore and goo to make you say, mate, why is this not a video nasty? And that is Demons from 1985. Yep, this is another Italian horror film, this time directed by Lamberto Bava, son of Mario Bava, who was also a giallo filmmaker. And this is produced by the man we've just spoke about, Dario Argento. And with a tagline that is absolutely fucking class. They will make cemeteries, the cathedrals, and the cities will be your tombs. You know you're in for some trouble, motherfucker. So, Demons follows two young women who were given tickets by a strange masked man to a secret film showing at a recently renovated cinema. The girls go and meet two college kids and the rest of the cannon fodder is kind of filled out by a blind man and his guide granddaughter, a married couple celebrating an anniversary and a pimp named Tony with two of his prostitutes. I don't know, maybe it was like a incentive at work that if you, you suck 12 dicks you can go and see a free film, I don't know. But I will say, Tony's got that dog in him and is my uh, favourite character of the film. We're not given a whole lot of time to get to know the characters, but it doesn't really matter in a film like this, let's be honest. We get a lot of characters who are relatively one note, but they deliver some badass lines, and they do some great things. The practical effects of the film are incredible, and were done by Sergio Stivaletti, who later went on to do practical effects for Dario Argento's 1987 Giallo opera. Some of my personal highlights of the film gore-wise are the initial transformation of Rosemary into a demon, which is fucking gross to look at. Feels painful to watch, which look, if we're doing a transformation in any kind of horror film, it needs to look painful and features some body horror effects that will make David Cronenberg's bollocks go up into his stomach. And in true Italian fashion, we even get some eye gouging as well as enough green drool to put you off pea soup for a considerable time. There are some amazing moments in the film, such as when we see the demon transformation previously mentioned, as well as a massacre in the cinema, the patrons trying to escape from the cinema and finding that they've been sealed in and the doors and walls are all props. And one of my favourite shots of the 80s, as we see the demons running up the stairs in slow motion in this blue haze with fog obscuring their faces and their eyes illuminated, all whilst returning Claudio Simonetti's banging theme plays, 
the theme for Demons was actually also in my top 100 on Spotify 2022. So hold tight, Claudio Simonetti. You write some absolute bops, man. Keep going. And finally, the third act of the film bumps up the action and humour as we get two characters riding a motorbike through the cinema, brandishing a samurai sword, cleaving their way through demons, all whilst fast as a shark by set plays. And the film itself actually features an absolute banging soundtrack of heavy 80s rock, including stuff like Motley Crue, Scorpions, and Rick Springfield, which really kind of surprised me because I didn't expect to hear, you know big name bands or artists in just a random 80s Italian horror film and kind of whilst I'm sure we could probably spend some time deep diving and looking for themes or deeper meaning in it Demons is a perfect example of a well-made film that you can just take your brain out and enjoy it's got enough gore and unintentionally funny moments in it that it could easily be watched both alone or with a group of friends just looking for a good time So that is Demons 1985 and that is my third foreign horror recommendation. Thank you for joining me on this solo venture as I've spoken about some of the foreign horror films that initially hooked me and got me to broaden my horizons into foreign horror. I'd also love to talk about some other recommendations such as Lucio Fulci's The Beyond, Joko Anwar's 2017 remake of Satan's Slaves, and the meta-horror of Bartas Kowalski's Nobody Sleeps in the Woods Tonight 1 and 2, but maybe those are saved for another day when I'm joined by my handsome and esteemed colleague Epo. As always, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at CMTH Podcast. Come and let us know your favourite foreign horror and your thoughts on any of the films mentioned today. Thank you again for listening, and please remember to subscribe on the platform you're listening to, and if possible, leave us a review. We will see you next week when I'm reunited with Thomas the Spank Engine, aka Sep Hope. See you then. Bye bye.